Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. With me tonight, I am very excited to talk to this person, a wonderful, wonderful TTRPG performer and a wonderful friend and just brings all the great vibes and we're going to have so much fun. So yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself. Uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Josephine. I'm at Scary Dog Friend. Uh, I'm a performer on many channels at this point. Uh, Starlight Tales, Roll for Luck, Going Crit RPG. That underscore D'Angelo. Um, I'm soon dipping my toes into the facilitating foray uh, and starting a Call of Cthulhu game, which I don't know, may or may not be out at this point, maybe not. Uh, but many plans for me to finally facilitate some more horror games because I love horror. That's been like my whole thing, although I have not been doing too many of it, <laughs> too much of it, rather. Uh, I'm also... Uh, the co-host of a not safe work monster fucker podcast <laughs> called uh, monster fuckers anonymous with my friend cleric 34 uh with an amazing uh bipoc crew and yeah i just do lots of the hosting lots of the performing and hopefully more facilitating in the future yes yeah um so much fun so wild uh that is like the the amount of projects that you're on is is uh yeah it's kind of baffling <laughs> I wish I had that much free time. Yeah. Uh, but. I don't even have that much free time. I, I do have a nine to five. Uh, but I mean, performing is sort of how you stay alive in that kind of yeah life arrangement. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, a great way to just like let off steam, to have like a cathartic process, to just hang out even. Um, but yeah. I think it's so much fun. And just the process of like making games and making characters. Uh, I'm in the middle of we're. I don't know if I can, we're doing, I'm doing a thing with a bunch of other BIPOC people that Joe also knows. And (laughs) we are in the process of like creating our characters and setting up background stuff. And it is like the holes that you go down of like looking into stuff and like, like finding out new ways to like, how can I incorporate this with my character? Like, it's just, yeah. It's good vibes. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when you were a baby Joe, how how did you get into nerd stuff? Oh, God. Yeah. I think my um, an incredibly visceral memory I have, two visceral memories I have, is watching Naruto for the first time. Mm. Maybe four or five years old. Maybe not even. Um, in Korea. So I don't even understand yeah. The words that are coming out of Nar- Korea Naruto's mouth. Yeah. But I'm watching Naruto for the first time in Korea. And then I'm just like wrapped, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of my first nerd stuff is anime. And then that spiraling into anime forums and role playing. And then it just like a nightly ritual of like me at midnight sneaking out into my room, into the basement where there's like a shitty TV 
where I am also watching Naruto on Adult Swim or Toonami or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a lot of sneaking out. <laughs> it's a lot of sneaking <laughs> into my basement um, to watch Naruto or Bleach or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. That's awesome. Did you did you spend a lot of time in Korea? No. So I wasn't born in Korea, but I have I have I've been to Korea a good a good handful of times to have like some pretty formative memories. Mm-hmm. Um certainly about cultural identity, certainly yeah. about like being a uh my parents are immigrants, so I'm a second generation uh mm-hmm. South Korean person. And yeah, again, not too much time, a good handful of times, uh, a lot with my mom's side of the family. And it is, I don't know, it, it is just like a really interesting, it, it, made, it made sense that I watched a lot of anime in Korea because yeah. uh, sometimes I understood what was going on, but also it was just like a nice escape into... Um, like my grandma literally to this day is a mountain elder. Mm. She farms on uh like mountainous farmland and like she literally was on TV once to let all the city people know like these people still exist that like live in mountains and they hang out in trees and like it, it, just the uh the anachronism in real life of like incredible movie theaters that are in these like incredible cities and the language uh fluency of like foreigners and stuff um but then also my grandma who doesn't know any english is Mm. still has been living in the mountain that she gave birth to her kids in um so if you don't know how to interact with your mountain grandma you watch anime i don't know (laughs) if that makes any sense but yeah. yeah No, yeah, I think I think it is it is kind of fascinating. Like, <clears throat> I was a child of divorce pretty early on in my life, and so uh, we spent a lot of time like with my mom, and then we would spend like summers with my dad or mm-hmm. with my grandma. So it was like, yeah, you kind of jump around, and it's like you don't have access to your friends, you don't have access to all the stuff that you have at home. Um, this is for me like pre-internet and and all the fun stuff so it was like i yeah you just tried to like i guess i'll just go play in a river or you know like walk around through this cemetery or whatever Mm -hmm. um because you you just kind of have to find things to do but i think it's it's fun um that you had access to anime because i definitely didn't like sailor moon i think honestly was probably the first anime i ever watched I just don't remember a lot of it. Good one. Yeah. yeah. My brother and I used to wake up early before school so we watch it. I never did that. I always stayed up late. It was never, (laughs) I was never a wake up early. It was always a stay up late. Yeah. No, I've, I've been an early bird for a long time. Um, but yeah, that one and then Dragon Ball Z, but Naruto, I didn't watch until recently, like until recently, like three years ago, maybe two, (laughs) two years ago. And I like, I, I I say I binged it, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I skipped all of the part where they uh, just do um, flashback episodes for no, like three yeah. seasons. I'm like, no, I'm not watching this. Like, when 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 does Naruto run into Sasuke again? That's what I care about. <laughs> I don't want to know what happened in between. Just at they grow point. up. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, and now yeah. they're like, I just learned that they're apparently like 
soul bond brothers or something like not actually related but they're like there's like this whole thing and as soon as i i i stopped interacting with like uh whatever new naruto shit is going on mm-hmm. since like pretty early into shippuden because i was just like i don't really care about this i don't yeah. i don't like the the whole war stuff and like naruto having oh a child naruto proving that he's gonna be a horrible father uh, just like it i'm it, it did, became immediately pretty uninteresting. Um, but like what I do remember fondly of Naruto is just like uh like the first arcs of like him being like a lonely middle schooler and that kind of shit. Like Yeah. Yeah. Do you think like when you were younger, um, because so I have like Naruto's funny in the sense that like my my wife notoriously hates anime. Like hates it. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. And one, I'm like, well, why do you hate it? Like, you don't even have a reason. And she's just like, I think, you know, she associates it with certain people from the past. And then also she just mm-hmm. says it's kind of gross. And I'm like, it's really not though. But like literally watch two, three episodes of Naruto. And the like one of the first things he does is sexy jutsu. Yeah. Like, or in like shit himself. Yeah. And, like- <laughs> and you're like, yeah, all right. This, that's fair. This is, this is a fair assessment. Um, but, but I'm curious, like when it came to that with, a lot of because Naruto is from an American standpoint, I'll say mm-hmm. pretty sexist. Like, do you think yeah. that you picked up on that early on in your life? Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, it since I got into Naruto very, very early, like, I no one was telling me about sexism, so I was like, yeah, Sakura is annoying, like, I was fully <laughs> feeding into it, yeah. Um, but then I think as soon as, um, I get like older, older as in like a couple years older or whatever at that point. Like I want like female characters to be more interesting. And then when Sakura becomes like a martial artist, basically like a healing, like mm-hmm. she can like superhuman power girl yeah. lady. And I, and a mentor of Tsunade and I love Tsunade. She's like maybe my favorite Naruto character. Um, I, I, I don't think it was specifically because of Sakura that I, to this day, build my femme female characters very particularly mm-hmm. um, to be, like, complicated and otherwise. Because Sakura is not complicated whatsoever. Yeah. She's still yeah. she's still very much, like, for some reason, she married and had sex with the guy that, like, abandoned her once and had one child, you know. Yeah. Like the one of the most toxic people in all of in all of Naruto. <laughs> yeah, and Naruto also just lets Orochimaru hang out. Yeah, it's a whole. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's... I love Orochimaru. That makes no fucking sense, though. No, no, it really doesn't. Um, for anybody lost, I don't know. Just watch a YouTube synopsis don't. of Naruto, I guess, or just, just don't. <laughs> just be lost. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. <laughs> but I will just say. Um, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I think it's, it was very frustrating because it is, it's own, like the gut reaction is to look at it and go, God, she is annoying. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, fuck, the writers wrote her really annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why, why, why did we make this choice? Um, so I absolutely loved the part whenever she like, she's like, oh yeah, I can, I can beat people, I can beat people's ass. And you're like, Oh shit! You're you're super strong, you know. Yeah, this is badass. I loved that. Um, but yeah, they they do Sakura dirty a lot. 
So <laughs> a lot of them. I mean, all of all of the female characters yeah. pretty much are mistreated in that show. Um, and in a lot of anime. I'm watching, I'm rewatching Dragon Ball Z right now. And it's... Um, oh my God. I'm just like... <laughs> Do you ever... I feel like... Even me just watching Dragon Ball Z like every now and then, you never process Goku is too busy doing whatever the fuck he's doing, saving the world. He just has a wife and a child. And yeah. but uh where is he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just he's just not and then whenever he's involved with this kid, it's usually to like, hey, I'm gonna make you fight some grown ass man uh or grown ass alien. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh yeah deal with that uh you are now 11 this is your journey <laughs> you're a man now you're a man now you're a man now mm-hmm. yeah i'm on i'm literally on that part whenever they're like it's like he's a man now i'm like no like he's an 11 year old kid like this is seriously why so many young people have trauma around mm-hmm. like it's yeah it's super fascinating like i mean it's still like it's it's a fun dichotomy because it's like on the one hand it's super entertaining and then on the other hand it's like very fascinating to like look at this as a social construct and and like deconstruct it into how all of this shit plays out in our actual yeah. lives and it's like wow yeah. this is yeah. there is something there's so exactly the social aspect of this because my background is um human services like i went to school went to college to be a social worker since dropped out because mm. obviously college is not it in the pandemic. Mm. Um, but it, it, it does fuck with my sense of disbelief, my suspense of disbelief in ma- like pretty much everything <laughs> because what I think about Goku, for some reason, I'm also thinking of like, what are the attachment styles that fucking Gohan is going to grow up with? <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, 100%. yeah. And, um, I forget what I was going to say specifically, but like, yeah, it's, oh, uh, I, uh, our friend Cass was playing, um, was like running a masks game like a couple months back. And my character, I mean, who was going to tell me that in masks, no one's supposed to just bring up that, hey, teenagers to young adult age people should not be the facilitating police force in a city so why is this our responsibility why are we being (laughs) taken so seriously and like kind of being certainly like a fourth wall type of character but like Mm -hmm. that was legitimately i was like crime is systematic what what are you why are you (laughs) (laughs) yeah just so yeah i i it is it is very funny having that background but also just like genuinely i'm like so much has to be laid out in front of me to like not just like not think about certain things like certain systems that exist yeah i mean i think that like i love the show uh young justice um Mm -hmm. and they sometimes touch on that stuff but not enough Mm -hmm. because it's like yeah literally i mean batman we already know is a terrible caretaker uh (laughs) miserable foster parent um causes more trauma than he helps to clear up but what's the excuse for the other justice league members yeah <laughs> because you're all men now yeah. you're all women <laughs> yeah. you gotta yeah do you have a strong moral compass do you understand uh... yeah and the jedi yeah i was looking into it ahsoka was 11 when ahsoka started fighting in the clone wars oh my God. 
No, she was 14. Either way. That's a baby. That's still yeah, a baby. That's still a baby. Like literally out there like, yeah, you got to fight this person to death because um, they're shooting at you. So you good? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I that is a specific reason I cannot really do superhero stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. This this these types of podcasts are always really funny for me because Navar, I have not consumed a single new piece of media. I think this year, yeah. I've I mean I think that is just like being in perpetual stress for the past two mm-hmm. years. Like I don't want to yeah. consume any new shit. I just want to watch the same shit that I have been watching mm-hmm. for so many times at this point. But yeah, just yeah, I have no idea what's going on in terms of like. Yeah, new stuff. New stuff. I know a lot of people, CJ and Oleander, they're watching Young Justice. um, Mm -hmm. And they're having a horrible time. They're having a good and a horrible time. I'm like... Because it's just trauma. I wish I could help you. I don't know what to say. (laughs) It's just trauma. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting... And I don't know if it's just like, now that I'm older and I've dealt with a lot of the stuff from my past, Mm. or because I'm a father or a combination of the two. But I also agree, like anytime it's like young people doing stuff, I'm like, why? Like, why can't we why just are you doing be this? adults? Yeah. Read a, I, read, a, read a comic book, <laughs> sit down, like just sleep for 14 hours. Just. Yeah. Like, why does it have to be children going through this? Um, because it's, yeah, I feel like as a kid, like I really loved uh, the X-Men, which had some young Mm-hmm. heroes in it but for the most part was like adult mutants who are doing a lot of the crime fighting and stuff and so like i it's one of those things like i think we for whatever reason can't wrap our we being not me people who make tv shows and movies can't seem to wrap their brains around like creating stories that are interesting to kids that don't have to have kids be like step up into roles that they shouldn't have to deal with mm-hmm. and i think it's really sad and fascinating um that we keep doing it uh but yeah it is one of those like it's a very weird i don't know i feel like have you seen oh you haven't consumed any new media never mind i'm gonna move on uh because <laughs> you haven't watched it yet i'm sure sea beast no i've no. i've heard of you know i know it exists i'm just like i don't have <laughs> i don't have the mental capacity to watch whatever it is uh no it's it's totally fair it's totally fair. I it, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. Like, I think we all have to deal with stuff in our own way and and figure out like what's the best way to cope with it. So, but that being said, have you now like in rewatching a lot of stuff? Is it? Do you think it's changed now? Like going through sort of this pandemic and like kind of being on a media starve. Yeah, I mean, it. it I think even recontextualizing, um, like disease apocalypses or like zombie related mm-hmm. things is just like this feels so much different now honestly yeah. um or uh stories of like agoraphobic women or mm-hmm. something like that it's just like oh well she's fine actually there's nothing <laughs> yeah. wrong with her yeah have you been outside like yeah makes sense stay in <laughs> yeah so like that being said recently it has been 28 days later the mm-hmm. like I mean, I don't even know. 2004 film? Something like that, yeah. And it has the guy from Peaky Blinders, whose name Mm -hmm. I don't know, remember. Um, Yeah. He's got the eyes. It's kind of a cool name, but I can't remember either. Yeah. Uh, And uh, the woman in the window with 
the woman that's not Amy McAdams. Maybe she, maybe that is her. Uh, uh, Isla Fisher. Like it's like... not Isla Fisher. Oh, okay, I was like, those be. two are always might... like they're the same person. They are the same person. They're the same woman. Um, I do, I do um, go to horror the most. Um, Claire and I were most recently. Our most recent podcast episode was um, we were talking about horror movies, and I brought up that like one of my favorite, one of my comfort movies is just a straight up horror movie. Mm. Um, but like not just a horror movie that's like even like a bit campy or kitschy. It's like a very serious like art film type two hour long uh kind of um not similar to the vibe of like a24 movie uh, the like hereditary midsommar mm. type of thing yeah. um but it is a movie that like handholds you through horror mm. like it handholds you through all the suspense and it like walks you through like a horrible thing that happens but you're there for every second of it like yeah. you're it's not horrific cuts and like running it's like a perfectly still scene of someone getting murdered or like mm. you know something along those lines but i think whatever makes horror more intimate rather than just like a terrible sense of like surprise uh and making you feel horrible just to make you feel horrible like there's a reason for all of these scenes to be guided the way that they are it it means a lot more to me to view certain certain things and in particular i'm talking about suspiria okay uh which is a 2018 movie with dakota johnson and tilda swinton and mia goth like some in, mm. like incredible uh feminine women actors and it's like entirely like women casted mm -hmm. it is it is a white movie but you know yeah uh but it's yeah right it, it's a movie where dance is a method of like spellcraft like witchcraft oh uh and also the concept of like the only way that you can take women seriously is when they are like in a doctor's office or like you are analyzing them or something mm -hmm. so it there is a lot of um to a degree, I think it plays on some hag exploitation because there are some very intense, scary-looking old women. Um, but I think there, I think being able to showcase the like ugliness of and the complication of women is just my thing. Like yeah. it, any horror that has to specifically do with like women and their faults in the way that they either overcome them or they become the villain because of it like it's very much a good for her kind of thing for me yeah. <laughs> so is that why you are wanting to get into horror games then i mean yeah i think i really developed um throughout the pandemic being able to stomach horror a little like horror just like in a different mindset framework um in a way that doesn't require me or there is no social pressure to like go out of my way to go to a theater and experience a horror movie i can yeah. like be in my house and just take my time with it 
But I think even just realizing that like, oh, like not all horror movies are all just like, you know, sex shaming, slut shaming, like plot lines about whatever. They can also be about like women's sexuality in these different ways and using horror as a method of like sharing to an audience like a genuinely horrific internal sensation that the writer or or like a playwright or director actually goes through um and whether or not those experiences are always warranted to share if like you're a man and for some reason your main actor is a woman that is going through horrors that's a different that's definitely (laughs) different yeah but yeah i don't know i i've just been I've just been all about women. No, like I've always been about women forever. Um, But I think when I was able to start uh, performing, like teach RBG AP performing, it was immediately like a goal of mine to share characters that were women that were also complicated uh, going through um, not like universal experiences of women, but like specific experiences of women mm-hmm. um like my i think my first character i ever did was a like a very tired angry woman uh which is like my go-to i love to play bitchy women that are like leader types mm-hmm. um but she was a community leader she was an anarchist this was in a more like vaguely fantasy kind of medieval time and she was a carpenter, so she was like provi- she provides housing for a community because she knows like a direct line of like security is shelter. Like mm-hmm. she understands that aspect. Um, but she herself was someone that had to provide like emotional shelter for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning of the story, uh, she's pregnant. She's two months. She's like early stages of pregnant, which is like so hard to deal with in terms of being a carpenter like doing anything being in terms of sickness like all of those things so to the community there i wanted to play with this thing of like she's too prideful to show that she needs help that's always been her thing yeah so she also her husband died because of course his her husband you know who needs a husband yeah it's a teacher um, RPG. <laughs> it's a teacher RPG. um but she's two months pregnant no one but maybe only a couple people know that she's pregnant um and she's a community leader that's already kind of mean and she's doing less and less work so people are viewing people are like not only is she meaner but she's not doing it like more work uh what's going on mm-hmm. um And I think that was just a really interesting thing for me uh, for my many reasons that are just in my mind palace at this point. Yeah. But I I really wanted that to be my first story because I think just in general to this day, teach RPG community, I like there's a, there is, you know, lots of people have different experiences with pregnancy and it can be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but I am very like fascinated with stories about birth as a concept um 
And the most natural thing about humans is also just like the thing that people are scared, the most scared of. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the mundanity of some aspects of horror can also be, you know, it can truly just be really like mundanity can be also scary in yeah. horror movies. Yeah, for sure. I think like I've, I've always liked things to be like everything in its right place. So I got out of horror pretty early on because it became so campy, you know, like I think for a long time, the last horror movie I probably watched was like Jason X and it's just like a, a whole joke. Um, yeah. And I was just like, I, I just like, I remember watching horror movies as a kid, like event horizon. And that movie terrified me. Like, I think every kid has that like moment of like, you know, the you've seen like probably like the TikToks of like you have to run down the hall hitting the lights and then jump into your bed so you don't get like attacked by the monster that's not there. Um, mm -hmm. That was like after watching, I was like, "There's no way I'm walking down this fucking hallway <laughs> with the <laughs> light off." <laughs> I don't. I think my first horror movie ever was like I was. In, it was in fifth grade. I was at some fucking girl's birthday party. It was like daylight out, but we were watching The American Ring. Mm, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't sleep. Yeah. For so long without nightmares. And as someone that has like, I have fairly bad sleep and fairly, fair, pretty often I have nightmares just like as a thing. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I think that I've definitely still can't do anything related to the ring. Like every yeah. time someone, CJ does this thing, um, I'm going to say CJ's name a lot in our home game where they count down the days until we, the day that we play. Mm -hmm. So it's always just like, this is the ring. <laughs> this is the ring and we're all going to die. Um, you know, not really, but yeah. it is, I do. It's, it, it's such a fear is, I don't know. It can be, it's very, sh the more intense feelings that you get out of something, the more memorable they are. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think it's, I think one thing that, should be explored more especially in the teacher rpg space is how pocs deal with horror um like you know we've talked about the game specifically delta green um yeah and much like cthulhu it has its own problem when it comes to like dealing with sanity and and that specific concept um but outside of that the game can really generate a lot of like really intense moments and i've played it a few times and it's never like it's never the monster that is like the scariest part it's always like what's going to be this next wild thing that i that doesn't make any sense or mm -hmm. why has this person been watching us all around town you know what i mean like it's the mm -hmm. stuff that like you set up that anticipation anticipation of it and i think i really love that as a concept um and just I love, I mean, I love detective stuff. So I, like, I love even if yes. we, like yeah. if we can Absolutely. somehow incorporate a mystery into this, I'm happy. I would have, I would have been like the token black guy of Scooby Doo. <laughs> uh, not really, no tokens. <laughs> we don't do that. Um, but you know what I mean. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like I think it's just it's one of those things that there's a lot of other ways to to deal with horror than just like uh you know big scary man's walking and for whatever reason you can't walk fast enough and you keep slipping and then the door's locked on the car and it's like 
you know, yeah. It's a, it's a really fun concept to explore. So I'm excited to see um, the project that you're working on because I think that's Oh, God, be yeah. 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 Um, if anyone that is playing my game hears this, don't. Just stop listening right now. <laughs> um, but my game, um, I, I, I want to focus on um, that mundanity, mundanity aspect because uh, it's, a, it's a family mystery horror. So very much knives out, but there's Cthulhu. Yeah. But many other aspects to it as well. Yeah. Um, and I Mommy Dearest isn't a horror per se, but it's definitely a horrific uh account. Um Yeah. That's the one with the uh what's her name? I don't remember, honestly. The, is it the black lady? No, no, no. No. It's it's a it's this it's this woman. Who's like, you know, whatever, a white icon. I don't remember her fucking name. Um, <laughs> Paula Dean. <laughs> Paula Dean. Uh, uh, this like, this washed up starlet or something. She like adopts a girl and then like mistreats her. Like that's kind of the whole movie. Okay. Um, but it's based off of the memoir that the adopted daughter wrote about the mother. Um, mm. And then the person that made the movie just made it, made it like a camp legend movie like it, mm. it became kind of like completely out of um it spiraled out of control and the the daughter that wrote it was like really unpleased with it and as far as i remember um but like yeah i think about those types of movies that focus more on like kind of the the claws or like the hold a woman can have on a on a family yeah and like having my own experiences with like scary women or like me um like loving those stories at the same time about how a family can overcome certain things uh there can be this i think focusing on i think what most of these maybe uh exploitation movies are attempting to do is focus on like what is so scary about an old woman like yeah. what is that what are the what are the feelings? What are the memories? What are the thoughts that conjure up for you when you see your mom aging or your mm. sister aging or like you as a woman aging? Do yeah. you see less worth in yourself because of, you know, ableist, capitalistic thoughts that you are more worthy if you can live longer and look better longer? Like, you know, all, the, all of these things. Um. I mean, like to this to this day, I know there are fucking twenty five year olds. Like I'm, I'm twenty four. I'm almost twenty five. But everyone is like, I'm so old. It's like, shut up, <laughs> please. Like, if like, certainly, like I can dip into those thoughts, but that's just because everyone is so yeah. concerned about like aging, yeah. and that's always something I've been like frustrated with because like, does does youth mean you're like proximity to the 2000s like does it mean um that your joints work like uh <laughs> like it, it it is very frustrating i think to hear people worry about being close to 25 when it's like just worry about yourself and yeah. where you are right now i don't know yeah you still have so much time yeah it's uh 
it it is <laughs> age is a very funny thing and i think like the you're right like the way that we look at it socially and how we talk about it um really doesn't help that you know i even make jokes about it you know as a 34 year old um but i also have broken my ankle and that shit hurts and i can tell when it's gonna rain outside Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like um but i think yeah it's it's just one of those things like i've never but i also like i look at it like this like i've never felt And there's nothing wrong with this whatsoever. But for me, my perspective on it has always been like, I think when I was younger, I had, I was often told that I have an old soul and I Mm. wanted to be taken seriously. Mm. Um, And as a young black man, I wasn't taken seriously a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And so for me, aging meant at the very least, people will look at me and go, well, he's a grown up, right? Like that's Mm. like Mr. Jackson or whatever. Which like whatever, but like it it just in in my subconscious felt like at the very least I wasn't gonna get treated like I was a child or like I was stupid yeah. or something. To whatever degree that that's true, I don't know. But I think that that's what the process of it for me. So for me, it's like you know if I get older, uh, whatever, like it, it's just getting wiser. Like I don't like I have no interest in like getting Botox or anything like that. And again, nothing wrong with that. Like for people who do it, but it's just. For me, that's never been something that I've even considered. But it is fascinating to like have friends who are younger than me who are like, oh yeah, like I got Botox in my eyebrows. And I'm like, literally why? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, right. It is. I don't, w- yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm here for you. But also, I don't necessarily think you needed to do that. Hey, y'all. It's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just you know go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe. Uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, Those things really help gain visibility for the show and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much and back to the episode. Do you know about how prevalent plastic surgery culture is in Korea? Like I think I'm even more frustrated with the like age kind of frustration because Mm. of I think uh, just youth culture. Yeah. I don't know what, that, what else to call it in South Korea because there are uh, like the, the, the age of K-pop has expanded mm. so wildly and globally to the point that there are 14 year olds like groups out there who yeah. are like fully still in middle school. Their classes are K-pop or like their classes are social media content or something. Wow. Um, and it does make me feel weird not to be um, a boomer or I, not, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. just weird. It is yeah, no, weird no, it, to it like weird, think yeah. about. 
Um, and like they're obviously in fucking music industry entertainment. There are 14 year old girls talking, singing about things that they have no idea mm-hmm. that they should not be singing about. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they, these are, they, you see pictures of these girls when they're like younger and you see them now and you're like, they had plastic surgery. They were given yeah. new noses and they were given like uh double eyelids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, how just like being centered around such a culture that cares about that normalizes that, you know, fairly early on in your life, you can get a nose job for your birthday at 13. <laughs> um, that's kind of the, like when you're like when you're 13, you can get a nose job. Um, mm. It's very strange. It's and I know um, uh, even like you know American people, American women are like you joke about you know the 32 year old woman being 21 because that makes her feel better about herself for yeah. whatever reason. Um, but in Korea, it's like everyone. It's like uh, a 31 year old woman. Uh, will joke about herself being 21 or something but like she's 31 yeah. and it's not it's just the the it's just the culture it's not weird to them it's weird for me to hear about why are you 40 and you want to tell people that you're 25 i don't know yeah is that the same do you know for for men in korea too yes oh wow as far as i understand like they just you even though it might be less uh, it, it just might be a different it, phrasing that mm-hmm. compared to like men or women or whatever. But I think, you know, you know, men, uh, even celebrities, they're like, you know, they do lipo, they do Botox, they do, yeah. it, it is such a, like getting injections for your eye bags. Like that's like a fairly common thing because I mean, I am I am thinking mostly about like celebrity men who have a lot of eyes on them, right? Yeah. So there will be more comments on you know their appearance, but it matters to everybody. Mm. It matters to everybody, and it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious, like, if you feel like this is a question you can answer. Like, I have also noticed I've never listened to K-pop honestly, other than Gangnam Style. Um, (laughs) like that's literally the only song um but i'm just curious because i've heard so many people who are not asian talk about Mm k-pop and i'm curious like for me i have my own feelings about non-black people and hip-hop but i'm curious like do you have similar or you don't know what my feelings are but do you have feelings about like people who aren't korean or even asian like enjoying being super fans like getting into k-pop yes i do i think it is mostly white people that Mm -hmm. make certain things a problem because uh like i think just like me talking about a 14 year old uh girl group singing about shit that they should not be singing about is like a thing that literally just happened yeah um and like a bunch of people are like why does it matter? Like, you know, they clearly are not contextualizing that the CEO of this girl group's company is a pedophile. Uh, and no one just views it that way because maybe because the CEO is a woman or something like maybe yeah. it, maybe 
everything is purely aesthetics in K-pop when, you know, Korea still has people in it that also go through horrible things and go through certain, you know, same bodily changes and experiences and different structural ways of development. Um, I mean, as in they're taught different ways about their body for sure, but like the way that um, white people just think of people who are not them, Mm. white Americans, uh, is just this weird pedestal of something that they don't have. So they will, you know, they will just kind of take on the appearance of certain K-pop idols because that's just what they find beautiful, what they find interesting when those K-pop idols have had to have so much surgery to become more palatable to Americans or like people outside of Korean yeah. culture. It's just so dissonant, the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. They, I mean, they'll never understand that. And like, you know, to a degree, the K-pop market does, kind of feed off of that and depending on which korean you ask like they might have not have a problem with it at all mm-hmm. but that you know it doesn't make it just because one group of koreans doesn't find problem in like white people wanting to look korean uh that doesn't mean that it's still not a problem yeah and the, the certainly there's just this is uh it's been a problem like outside of white communities for sure, but it has certainly been mostly white people that are very misguided when it comes to like why they should go to Korea or have certain feelings about the food or speak as if they're a representative about a specific Korean person's life or something. It the like almost animification of Korean people Mm -hmm. uh, or like, you know, Japanese people or like any East Asian, Asian person whatsoever is so like a weirdly, I mean, not weirdly, it is like entirely historically infantilizing Mm -hmm. uh, and in that same vein, overprotective for no reason. Um, And that's why K-pop idols have to worry about, they have, a word for stalker fans Hmm. and they have to deal with um you know how celebrities have to make tiktoks (laughs) um same thing with k-pop idols but they've had to do that forever um so they're like on instagram live or something and they're getting they're getting calls from stalkers that have their phone number and they're just like they have to like put their phone away yeah as they're still having to interact with you know, the entire world. Um, and it, yeah, it is, it is a full misunderstanding that like Korean people aren't babies <laughs> yeah. that dress well, or like the ability for white people to not only view Korean people as like babies, but also like sex gods at mm. the, in the same breath. Yeah. Is like, it's so weird. Where? What? Why? <laughs> yeah. Do you view this about white men? Like, is <laughs> is Chris Evans your baby? Like, Chris Evans and uh, this other Korean guy are the same age, but because they look different, 
Mm-hmm. Chris Evans is not a not a, never a baby. Is always yeah. a sex god, but this Korean guy is, can just be a baby and a sex god. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. That is that's super bizarre. I mean, I think it's it's tough, right? Because it's like on the one hand, you want people from your culture to be successful and to have reach, but on the other hand, you yeah. want <laughs> you want what they the people who are are engaging with it to appreciate it and not appropriate it and not make it weird and gross. And yeah, it's tough. Like, I mean, that's, I have so many problems. Like there are a few white rappers that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine, whatever. But like, but there are some that I'm like, no, absolutely not. Mm -mm. And never okay. Yeah. Or just not good. And it's like, yeah. But because of their time or whatever, they just become like these like idols to white hip hop fans. And I'm like, literally, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. Something that has always been a problem to me is my friends, me growing up with them, never having any interest in rap. And then all of a sudden, Post Malone. Mm. All of a sudden, Post Malone came into the picture and you're like, N- now you're interested? <laughs> yeah. In rap and hip hop and subcultures thereof, like, yeah, interesting. It's, it's tough because, like, I really want, I really like, I have this scientific desire to like understand what are these people talking about, like, what are they rapping about, like. Th- there's two issues. So, one, I think that society's taste in hip hop is, generally speaking, pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm because it's fueled by like people of the same age who are just pushing for stuff that is just not good. And then the other part of it is I think that producers don't get enough credit. So producers make a beat that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Some shitty rapper comes on and raps on it with their shitty lyrics. And then everybody's (laughs) like, well, this song is so good. It's so catchy. And it's like, yeah, because the producer knocked it out of the park. Um, but we don't talk about the producer. We talk about the rapper that's associated with that song. And I think that's a big problem. And the other problem I have is that black people like bring on white rappers onto their tracks to be featured. And yeah. so I'm like, um, who's that other one? There's a Jack Harlow or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, no, I'm never going to listen to a Jack Harlow song. But He's on a Lil Nas X song. <laughs> Literally, that's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck, I got tricked into listening to this. So it's like, I don't I don't engage with it because I don't want to help promote it and I don't want Spotify to think that that's something that I'm interested in. Right. Or YouTube. Um, and, then I, and then I'm like, but I'm also curious about it. So then I'm like, I don't want to go through the trouble of logging out of my YouTube just to watch a video of a song that I'm no. not going to like just for the academic yeah. <laughs> purpose of it. Yeah, so I like, just never know. Yeah. Like Takashi Six Nine, uh, I know piece of shit. Never gonna listen to his music, mm-hmm. but yeah. featured on shit. Like yeah, and that's just why. You know, uh, just, yeah, there's there's plenty of cognitive dissonance also when it comes to like featuring pedophiles and like rapists and shit. Um, it's just that stuff that does not affect people will never bother them in mm-hmm. terms of marketing themselves or whatever. Yeah. Um, I was going to say earlier, it is a very complicated thing, um, especially when it comes to like, like uh, specifically in, just in my experience, Korean sex workers infantilizing themselves on purpose for the market. 
And it's like, there's a whole bunch of problems why this person feels that they have to do this or like, this is their market. But like, also again, sort of like it, if this is what has proven to work because no one likes anything different and like no one wants any change in terms of their interests or whatever, like it's a very complicated thing to like have to buy into what you actively are trying to work against. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a very strange world to interact with people outside. (laughs) We're just really pushing that, like stay inside agoraphobia message you were talking about earlier. I agree. (laughs) Let's just, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's so weird. I think, yeah, it's a lot of stuff has really changed my perspectives for sure. And I mean, in so many areas, like since starting this podcast, my perspectives on uh, gender, sexuality, mm-hmm. um, uh, like how I look at how POCs are featured and stuff, like all of that stuff has been elevated just because I'm talking about it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more people need to like put themselves in a situation where they're where they're doing that to to learn from it right and Mm -hmm. to engage with stuff that like people are already doing to help talk about that stuff because it's it really doesn't happen enough there's so many things like um we get stuck in our own bubbles that we just don't know about and you're not really like benefiting yourself by just remaining ignorant about a lot of stuff can i give you not not like a dis- is I don't know if this is a lesson or like a discussion or really anything, yeah. but just like a droplet of like a gender four hundred one four five hundred one seven hundred one <laughs> kind of concept. Yeah. So this I think this pandemic I have recently come back to using she her pronouns, mm-hmm. um, and it, like this hasn't been a very recent thing, um, but my relationship to fem- femininity again has been sort of surprising to some of the people around me because I gender makes I don't know I don't me personally I have no idea what's going on I don't whatever (laughs) works is what works yeah we're not gonna I will deal with it in my own self but like Mm. your perception of me is none of I is none of my business kind of thing like and I I do try to hold on to that thought but obviously I guess it can be difficult to uh have to somehow rise up against this is all the societal norms about gender. But I think to a degree, I'm going to overgeneralize. This is my experience. I want to preface. I straight away from femininity, straight away from the experiences of women and the, uh, and like Korean women and Asian women always just viewed to at some point demonize the experience of when I was a girl um, or was viewed as a girl and what that means to me mm-hmm. completely devoid of like, you know, people will view my voice or view my secondary sex characteristics as an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than lamenting over that, because I don't want to change my body. That's like not an experience that I'm fairly interested in rather than lamenting about that seeing what that context can actually do to help me and help other people. Yeah. So my role as a sister to my siblings is one that chooses to like 
I mean, I'm not in a family where being trans is like a super safe thing. Um, so being a sister actually is an opportunity for me to like subvert the expectations of what a Korean sister, a Korean older sister, a Korean younger sister or daughter yeah. could be or should be. Like I'm shaved my head throughout pan- mm-hmm. the pandemic and my parents were fucking pissed about it. But I was yeah. like, I'm not going to ask you permission about how I'm going to be a girl. Yeah. If you want me to be that, then we can we can you can we can dance we can do this thing um but i am actually uh reworking recircuiting my perception of like what it means to be uh, like politically situationally like perceptionally you know a woman yeah um and in my experience also just growing up with a lot of like transmasculine people trans men they just ignored their body um I mean, they ignored their body in the sense of like they, you know, they would bind their chest badly or they would just like not take care of themselves during their period or something. Um, and this only being like a certain experience of people mm-hmm. uh, that I've like personally experienced, I was always like, like, well, we can't not take care of yourself at yeah. the same time. Like everything although authenticity matters everything does first come to safety mm-hmm. and that includes your personal safety uh and the and the the best thing that a trans person can do is just be alive and like exist uh yeah. and obviously you should you know people should uh want to thrive past that but i do want a lot of younger transmasculine people that are growing up in a world that is already inherently misogynistic inherently Mm -hmm. fears the aging of women fears the role of a mother and what a wife is and all these things with the lack of context of culture uh and you know many other reasons especially as far as what a family should look like what Mm -hmm. that should be uh recontextualize every every person should recontextualize their relationship to femininity Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't have to mean that doesn't mean pregnancy that doesn't mean having a period but like ask yourself right now are you still afraid of women are you still afraid to talk to women are you still afraid about why aren't you just identifying as a lesbian even though you've been thinking about it for a long time I'm calling out a lot of people saying that calling out myself um, but like it is it's genuinely hard when you are taught your whole life to basically shit on women like that's mm-hmm. everything kind of comes down to that. Yeah. I mean, I think like you, you know, it's super well said, first of all, and thank you for sharing that. I think that the, the idea that we should be good stewards of, of gender, mm-hmm. whatever you are, is a really good thing. Like I think about that a lot as, as a dad uh yeah. and i have two girls and a boy and not only for what that looks like for my son if you know that's what he decides he wants his gender to be when he's older but also mm-hmm. what that looks like for my girls um too because i think as we interact with people in the world like understanding what a good example of this stuff is is so important and we look at like how many I mean, so much of my life was spent around 
uh, hypermasculinity, um, yeah. machismo, you know what I mean? And that's like what was prevalent where I grew up. Um, and a lot of it, it, some of it I embraced and some of it, it, it just was like a thing that I like either I didn't talk about the stuff that I enjoyed or I just avoided it. Um, we had a term that I don't know that if it gets used anymore, but when I was younger, it was used a lot. It was called metrosexual, which was like a man oh, yeah. who was in touch with his yeah. feminine side. Yeah. And um, which was like a term, it was like an accepted thing, right? That it's just like, this is a man who's not gay, but is in touch with their feminine side. But <laughs> yeah. it was also not a positive thing. Like it was still like, if you were metrosexual, you were still going to get picked on and bullied or whatever. Yeah. And so it was like, even though there was like, we had enough cognition to say, here's a term that we're all going to accept as something. It was still like, but we also don't accept this kind of yeah. person in, in the room. In the same breath. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a weird, and so like, yeah. So now as an, as an adult, um, I'm just, you know, I'm me, but I definitely like look at like, what does that mean for my kids and for the people around me? Um, and what is like, how, how do I show that to people and in the things that I embrace and the things that I uplift and stuff like that. And so I think if more people did that, regardless of gender, again, like I think it's, we could all start to move towards a place where it really just doesn't matter in a negative way. Like, you know, yeah. it only matters for the positive things that it can be or, or stuff like that. Like I think, but yeah, it's just going to take a lot of work and yeah. so many people um, yeah. are just not ready to do that work. Clearly, yeah. if you live in the U.S., you know, uh, all of the tragic, um, yeah. things going on this year. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. super, super wild, but I think yeah. it's, yeah. I, uh, gosh, I, yeah, I, I feel like I can empathize with what you're saying about just like having to sort of come to terms with this identity and, and that stuff. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I, um, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's yeah. Like no one can, I think can just remove the, like the clear perception of what you are slash what you look like to like a, you know, dominating mm -hmm. culture, whatever that may be. Yeah. And there's what I've learned these past weeks of me trolling people on Twitter uh, is that if you, you know, there are some things that are just more disarming if you do own them, even if it might not be entirely true. Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know, like the more you just take the power away from the words that someone attempts to direct towards you because they're trying to upset you. Yeah. Like, you know, as I don't, me personally, as someone that, does as far as I understand doesn't have rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is like it's hard, definitely difficult to have to stomach even conversations that have to do with people wanting to take you down. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, and for for most of the people that I know that have maybe a similar identity to me, uh, there's already so much stuff that I have called myself been through myself mm. that like a random person on the internet calling me a woman isn't gonna yeah. do whatsoever yeah yeah you're just um much braver than i am 
I'm just like, <laughs> ooh, I'm going to say something spicy and I'm going to turn off replies so only my friends can reply to me. And if somehow this person that followed that I follow says something stupid, then I know I don't need to follow them anymore. No, yeah. That's a, that's a special kind of like seeding out the bad <laughs> people for sure. Yeah. I just – I mean it's – I don't know. I Obviously, there's a place for both of those things. Um and I, it, social media is weird. Even if you're like just saying a thing just to get it out there, it's still a weird space, right? Because yeah. that whole concept is kind of fascinating and, and bizarre. But I think, yeah, for for me, um, like I engaged with social media for very specific reasons. Um, and I am my genuine self there, but I also like I'm only there because of the podcast and TTRPGs. Um, or else yeah. I would not be on Twitter anymore. Um, and so while I'm there, I want to get any shred of joy <laughs> out of mm-hmm. it uh, that I can muster out of that hell site. And so, yeah, I think that's the way that I look at it. I also am super non-confrontational. Um, uh, like, don't test my gangster, but also I don't have any <laughs> interest in fighting. Like, I don't, like, I'm not looking for a fight. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it's just like, yeah, just... I'll either, if it's like, if, cause a lot of times, sometimes I'll get stuck in like, I'll reply to somebody and say something and then people like, Oh really? Well, mm. what about? And, um, and then I just stop replying to them. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, somebody else will jump in here who wants to fight and they'll take care of it. <laughs> I know me, it'll be me. Yeah, it'll uh, be Joe. <laughs> just, just let me know. Uh, yeah, just the, to basically give context, but the most recent things that I've gotten uh people attempting to fight me about is like the racist origins of fucking fantasy mm-hmm. uh which should be so clear uh and god the most recent thing i don't even remember what it was but like it it was you know in all in all essence just like why don't people know about this mm-hmm. and why do we have to keep having this conversation? And these features and stereotypes, uh, you know, very much in response to like the new D and D, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I didn't really care to consume. I don't want to play D and D anymore, and but I am in hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, just like so many people coming after me, like if I, and I was literally listening to the three. Uh, Black Halflings episode of the Hadozi that y'all were talking about. Yeah. And I was like, literally this, like <laughs> we, the creators of something putting all of their stereo, all their understanding of stereotype of a certain culture or whatever the fuck into one thing. And then ma- putting that out for mass consumption. Mm-hmm. And then the people consuming that being like, Oh, if you view it that way, then you're racist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just you know it's all the same conversation it it is all the same conversation and yeah like just just certainly what you're you're saying now is that like twitter is a place for you to just put a thought out and not have a conversation about it like you know you the nuance cannot be there within no this nope. the, that character limit uh, well, even random yeah. people <laughs> even in a thread there is no nuance no. because as soon as it's out there somebody's going to engage with it and and take it out of context especially in text form people are going to view whatever the fuck they want however they want to they're going to throw a 
a thread into whatever little like incel group mm, chat yeah. that they have and completely uh oh i i my the first thread was about like hey white people in ttrpg community you should not tout yourself as a place of diversity if you're not actually doing that yeah uh and so many fucking random people were just like <laughs> well uh segregation isn't something that you should be preaching about and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about yeah i see you you're white i see you yeah what do you have to talk about segregation that you know yeah what do i what do i have any fucking how who am i who are we to talk about this it's yeah it is such a weird thing like that like if you feel guilty about it then feel guilty about it and do something about it but don't try to defend yourself when you're literally like the evidence is right there that you are still doing the thing that we're telling you is making us uncomfortable to be around you in the space um i yeah i just don't get it i think it's uh but yeah it's the thing like you just can't it's it's impossible to have that conversation in any real way on twitter i I think i mentioned it on a recent episode i don't know if it's come out yet but like i recently in the past couple of months i had a conversation with um one of the guests who's been on the show outside of the show we just talked for like Mm -hmm. two hours about like all this complex things that we can never talk about um on twitter or even really on the podcast to an extent because like people will take things out of context and it's like, yeah, but that conversation was so refreshing to just be like, look, here's a thing that I don't understand that I'm curious about. I'm coming at this from a place of like wanting to learn if you're willing yeah. to like talk about this and then being like, yeah, like blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing that I'm curious. You know what I mean? And like, we could have this conversation without it becoming like, you know, oh, fuck you. Like, Mm-hmm. I only read half of your message, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I a part of this community. <laughs> yeah. I got into fake Twitter discourse the other day as a joke, <laughs> and I was so exhausted by the end yeah. of it. And it was fake. It was like we were all just not like finishing our sentences and just saying like inflammatory mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, by the end of it, I was like, I fucking hate this so much. Mm-hmm. And it's not even real. And yeah. that's how I feel about the real stuff. And I'm just like, I, I just can't. Yeah. I think. Yeah, again, so much of what my inner, I guess, presence is, is just, you had just have to switch your brain to like a completely different mode. Because when you are looking for a nuanced conversation on Twitter, you're already doing something wrong. You just mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah. Um, so when I go on Twitter and someone disagrees with me and I know that they're wrong, I just say, I'm too busy fucking your mom to respond. So you're going to have to give me a couple seconds. And people, you know, turn that completely against me too. So, you know, just <laughs> just go in knowing, just, you know, turn your replies off. That's like a, the, the greatest feature that Twitter has ever given us. Um, yeah. And don't look at quote retweets or anything like that. Do whatever saves yourself from wanting to actually put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as content creators, you know it's there's there's going to be some attack of like who you are as a person uh but like trolls know what they're doing and again the most disarming thing that you can kind of 
do is like, I, th- I think one person was just like, oh God, like this is commie bullshit. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> and what else do you have to say about it? <laughs> yeah. One person, on. I, I was like, li- I was like straight up lying to them. And I was just like, oh yeah, well I worship Satan. So I like, I think we just can't have the same conversation about this. And then the other person just like was having a conversation about Christianity and like how, oh, it's interesting that you're actually worshiping Satan. And I'm like, it doesn't, this is a different conversation now. So like, no one knows what they're talking about. No one is involved that should be involved. Uh, And they all say it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, Yeah. I don't know. This has been incredible. We've made it so far uh, into this, but I think... One thing I, I for sure wanted to ask you. Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like 40 minutes ago, but it's fine. Um, how did you even get introduced to TTRPGs? I'm going I'm to bring it back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we close it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got into TTRPGs when I was 18. So, like, just coming out of high school. Um, mm. Me just coming out of high school and also the D&D club starting as soon as I graduated. So, that was like, ugh. <laughs> um, but I started because... I think around like college application time, I was just like, I need my brain to completely turn off. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be analyzing myself in a way that involves my merit. Yeah. Or like recalling an incredible piece of trauma to like have to give to a college and prove that I like I am worth to this college. You know, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. like all of the stuff that I didn't understand at the moment was like not necessary whatsoever. But yeah. like uh and i i remember i don't even remember what i watched i think it was like it wasn't dimension 20 but it was some some like older D show that i watched and i was like oh i want this like this is exactly what i need at, the, at, the, at this time uh and 5e came out like when 2015 14 or something earlier uh, I don't, at some point like it yeah. was already out basically yeah. uh so i had a bunch of there was already so many resources. There was so many things to like, just like go out into the world with. And I like became friends with people on certain uh, other like online spaces. And then from there you, I don't know, you build your communities. Like you start playing games with like random people on the internet, which is always so hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully I've not actually had a, terrible uh table experience even in a home game that's good most of it was just like pre-existing interpersonal conflict so like yeah Yeah. i easy out um but yeah it it was very much just like i don't want to be in my own head about these certain things and this is definitely something that i need to distract myself uh slash maladaptive daydream about a lot uh (laughs) My first, my first ever PC was, of course, a half elf lore bard mm. who was an asshole, like just a terrible person. Uh, but I, I think definitely there was just so much power in me creating. Like for me, a half elf was being Korean American. Like it wasn't mm. so much like being interracial. It was about yeah. you know being of multiple mul- multiple cultures. Yeah. And the lore bard aspect was just like me wanting to be eloquent, I guess, like just to totally mm. psychoanalyze my 18 year old brain. 
uh, I wanted to be more charming. I wanted to be more uh, like to advocate for myself yeah. more in apparently a way that was like just a villain in all essence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which now like I understand that I love villains. Um, I love uh, antiheroes and chaotic neutral characters because there's just so it, there's just so much more. It is. It's very freeing to see feral characters just do whatever they want because mm. I live with so many just like I, you know, still I live with so many restrictions to how I live my life. Yeah. And yeah, like just it, it, it was escapism. There, there were, there was so many wonderful community members and like mentors and figures that comes out of, that came out of the D and D community, thankfully. They were they were white, but like I I want to I really think these just like older uh, white people that kind of shaped what I didn't want and wanted, uh, and it kind of turned into by the pandemic it turned into me being on TikTok and then like D and D TikTok and me being like oh my god, uh, and then being approached by Aurora to be on a TTRPG stream, which was like everything that I ever wanted to do. Yeah. Uh and now truly after like almost a full year now of TTRPG streaming and like you know so many other experiences being on podcasts uh building up my own work ethic and my own values uh it it has very much spiraled into what it is what i what i do now i guess so basically if you just are a nerd long enough a random person might give you an opportunity and then from there you might know more other random people <laughs> yeah that you become friends with just realize that you aren't actually friends with them pull out of that community and then it just it's just you continue be careful who you decide are your friends because most people don't actually even know who you are so yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting world out there that, I mean, there's so many people, we see it a lot in the TTRPG space where like, it's like some person who has like 6,000 followers, um, and everybody like gushes about them, uh, the next week they're something awful and everybody's yeah. shutting them down and it's like, oof, yeah, I don't Just know. Just a second ago you were kissing their ass, so what? <laughs> yeah, what happened but yeah i mean but it's just you never know like it sucks because you know you don't know who to trust sometimes all i'll say is like just try to be genuine just be a good person you know god yeah yeah have maybe more than one conversation with someone that isn't about work (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and talk to people who don't look like you that always helps yes and talk to people that are your age Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> Can't trust these fucking bitches. No. Yeah, even though you and I are ten years apart, but we're still good. I hope. Imagine yeah, if we made like, it all the way to the end of this podcast, and you're like, "Actually, Navarre, you actually, what? <laughs> actually, you're old. <laughs> yeah, you're old. You're uh, old. That's so weird. That's so weird. No, yeah, like definitely, um, be careful. Like, be careful in yeah. general. Um, Certainly, many of people in this community that are the same age as me have done incredibly worse things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. People 
white people are scared to talk to people mm -hmm. uh, and have actual conversations with them that aren't about marketing or themselves or whatever. Yeah. Um, the more you're able to understand someone as a fucking person, like most BIPOC people do, yeah. um, you know, the more yeah. common ground you have, like that isn't just being gay. <laughs> I'm fucking tired of white gay people. Um, then I feel like, like just so easily Aurora and I in particular were able to like, uh, ephemeral giant, mm -hmm. uh, we, there was just so much we had in common and there yeah. was just so much that we were able to share together. And that kind of experience can be magical in the, your first experiences in a community. Yeah. I mean, certainly like I'm, I talk about them all the time, but like the first time I heard blur to mouth and mm -hmm. then I gushed about them publicly and then now we're friends and we're friends. like, that's been like, you know, like I think that that has been such a, Things like that have been so great, like the way that you and I met and like um, the opportunities that I've had just like, you know, because people are like, oh, you like you seem like a very thoughtful person um, and you have boundaries. That's good. Like that's always mm -hmm. a good start. Like start with like simple boundaries. Yeah. Like, look, these are times that I can do things or these are things that are, are my constraints. And if people can't mm -hmm. respect that, they're probably not going to respect your other boundaries. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I've personally have felt like I found a lot of good eggs is like I'm like hey yeah this is my situation and people are like yeah no problem and I'm like cool yeah. I'm we're you already someone, on to a good start yeah you were someone I would actually have a relationship with in real life yeah incredible sure. you when someone is like when someone recognizes you as someone that like has strong boundaries and stays genuine to themselves you're good you're start you're and you're at an incredible place <laughs> in any community, in any sort of space, uh, that you are actually yourself. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that can say volumes about yeah. you at this, you know. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, this has been so good. Um, again. I do like, want to say. Yeah, Super course. quick, Navar. Absolutely. Uh, the first time we met, I was asleep. You were asleep, yeah. I was asleep. <laughs> Uh, CJ was CJ and Oleander there at that yeah, point, or was I was it, recording yeah. an episode for Blurred of Mouth, um, that got lost to technology. Uh, mm -hmm. but yes, you were and there, thank god it did because <laughs> I was sleeping and snoring. Uh, was this about Luther? It was, yeah, it was, yeah, that's Luther. probably another good reason why I got uh, that's a that technology took it away because <laughs> literally, I, I didn't even think about like, okay. Just real quick, have safety tools when you're recommending shows to your friends because sometimes you might recommend a thing that they might not be prepared for emotionally, and mm -hmm. that could be difficult. And I did that no, to CJ yeah. and Oleander, and I feel super <laughs> bad about it. Because <laughs> I'm like, Luther, it's amazing. It's got Idris Elba. It's such a good show. And it is all of those things. But it's yeah. also super traumatic in graphic, so. Yeah, that's this is true. you know <laughs> the same reason why CJ doesn't take any of my recommendations, and that's fine. Yeah. But, but I, I do understand that. <laughs> um, yeah, so sometimes you can just be asleep, and it's a great yeah, it's a great segue to a friendship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all your stories and and everything. And we've covered so many amazing topics. Like I think it's it's funny, especially when we already kind of have a relationship i never yeah. know like what's gonna be said on the show and i think this yeah. is one of those ones where it's like yeah this took a left turn and i'm going with it and it's been so good um 
uh, first in-depth discussion of K-pop, for instance, on my show. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, um, yeah, you're incredible. Where can people find you? Yeah, again at Scary Dog Friend on Twitter. Not really TikTok, but I'm there technically. Um, I'm on Starlight Tales, Going Crazy RPG, Roll for Luck, which is on the Girls Run These Worlds Network. Uh, and that underscore D'Angelo, we are playtesting his game Emerald Templars. Yes. Uh, I am mostly playing, uh, I'm playing one man. I play mostly women. I play women who are complicated and feral. And if you love all of those things, if you love women, you're going to love my work in which you should love women. Um, yeah, I do things. I am for hire for VO. If that's ever something that anyone needs, you know, plenty of reason for that. You have a great uh, voice, Joe. Let me just say. I have a great voice. Navar has a great voice. I don't know. Thanks. Navar maybe should also have rates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I'm at Scary Dog Friend. Um, whenever you're around me, expect me telling trolls that I'm going to fuck their mom. Uh, and that I am, I don't know, I'm a pretty thoughtful person. And yeah. I care about people. And that's a lot. That's enough. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Thank you.